Jason Grigg recently left his longtime job as a tennis coach to focus on teaching pickleball full-time. As you might expect, his pickleball business is booming, so I asked Jason some common questions his students tend to have on how to improve your mixed doubles game. So to hear from Jason, let's get to the intro. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I would like to welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, Jason Grigg. Welcome, Jason. Oh, thank you, Lynn. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm very excited to be able to do this interview. I wanted to have you on the show. I know you're a friend of Meg Charities, and her episode today just came out. But I know that you have done a lot in the way of instruction in racket sports, so I thought you'd be a perfect person to talk about some different techniques and strategies on the pickleball court. But before we get into that, why don't you go ahead and tell me how you first heard about pickleball, got started, and maybe about how long ago? So thank you, Lynn. So my background really, you know, my coaching background really is in tennis. So tennis has always been my background. I've been coaching tennis for 20 plus years. I went through a, a tennis program that's called Professional Tennis Management at Fair State University in Michigan, where I grew up. And I've been heavily involved with the tennis part of it for a while. And then probably almost, I got certified to teach pickleball about two years ago from the IPTPA. And ever since then, I've kind of fell in love with playing pickleball. I mean, it's, it's one of those sports where, you know, it doesn't take very long. If you have just a little bit of competitiveness, you really, really enjoy getting out there and kind of battling with your friends and, and having a lot of fun playing. So that's it's really what, what, is, what is so great about it. I notice on your pickleball website, jgpickleball.com, that it says that you you coach both pickleball and tennis, although I noticed on your website it was pretty much mostly pickleball. Is Are you exclusive now with pickleball or are you still doing some tennis coaching? Yeah, so what, I, what I've been working on doing is I worked for, basically I worked at a tennis facility for years and years. I was recently at a, at a job as a director of tennis about last September, so it would have been 2020. And in September, I quit my job there and started my own coaching business. So it went full time, and my goal was to shift over to 100% pickleball. I'm currently coaching about probably 70-30 right now. So I've got about 70% of my clientele is pickleball, and, and 30% is still tennis. But my ultimate goal is to go 100% pickleball. And why did you decide to make that change to just full-time pickleball coaching? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons. I think, you know, what, what's really amazing about pickleball is I think we're just starting and it's such a new sport that, you know, I've got a friend that calls, you know, that says like it's in its terrible twos, right? So there's a lot of evolution that's going to happen. And for me, you know, it was kind of a twofold. One is it was different than tennis. So something new, which was really kind of exciting for me. And then I was just really excited to kind of see like the, the evolution of kind of how the game is going and kind of, you know, in a position right now where I feel like we can kind of be kind of shifting that piece of it, which is really, really kind of neat to see. So we can kind of be in charge of kind of the way the evolution of the game goes. And how do you see it evolving? That's a really good question. I think there's a lot of ways, you know, I mean, I think it's changed a lot, even over the last, you know, 
couple, I would say even six months. So you can talk about it, you know, at the professional level. So you start talking about the professionals and how they're playing. There's more and more, there's more and more, sorry, there's more and more money coming into the sport as a whole. So what that means is I think there's going to become more and more professional players coming in, which is kind of exciting. I think it's just going to push that whole level, you know, to, to improve and to try to get better. But there's a lot more, you know, attacking being played. It used to be for a long time that it was all about defending and being able to hit good thirds. But you're starting to see more, more and more just attacking all the time and looking to attack, which is just exciting. And I think it's exciting for TV and I think it's exciting for the future of the sport. That's very true. I was just on the weekend. I remember I was watching a match between the Waters and uh, Simone Dardim and Catherine Parento and you know, just there was a lot of dinking still, which actually is amazing because the waters are so aggressive. But yeah, I can definitely see your point that it's just becoming more, more and more of an attack game. Yeah, and that that's I mean, I think that's that's a fun part of it for sure too. I mean, definitely, it's in, and I think it'll be interesting to see how the the professional level you know evolves when you know the attacking part is definitely there, but then you have to be able to defend too, right? So I think that also plays a big part into that skill of being able to reset balls and defend on a regular basis and be ready for the attack all the time, which wasn't always the case before. And you see the recreational game or, you know, amateur level evolving in the same way. I mean, you know, typically when tennis players come into pickleball, they, they are attacking, but they find that there's a lot more to the game than that. Yeah. And I, I like to call it, you know, and this is, you know, I'm guilty of this too, because when I first started playing pickleball, that was my background, you know, and, and I didn't understand what a dink shot was or what a drop was. And, you know, it was like, okay, I'm playing, you know, and, and I have clients that are guilty of this too. I mean, they're playing tennis on a pickleball court, which we've all seen that, right. It's in the older doing is just hitting away. And then once they learn, you know, that if there's a skill that allows them to, you know, hit balls that are less attackable, you know, to their opponent and the balls that are coming faster. It's it's something that it's eye-opening when they start to learn that skill. So yes, it's it's an evolution of the tennis people getting, you know, more and more tennis players playing pickle and being able to understand that there's a skill level that it takes, right? And there's there's certain skills that are very specific to pickle. Now one of the things we talked about briefly before we started the official podcast here today was you were talking about something called pickleball IQ. Can you tell me what that is and just give, give the audience an understanding of what that means? Yeah. I mean, I, I like that. I like that terminology of, you know, it's something I use with a lot of my classes and I start working on, you know, instruction of being able to understand kind of the game of pickleball. Right. So, and this is something that a lot of times I, I start with people, the first couple of lessons that I give them, I kind of give them a, understanding of what their pickleball IQ is. And I also try to figure out what their background is too. And so if it's always tennis and they're, you know, if it's a guy and he's, you know, he's a solid four tennis player, he's coming in and he likes to hit the ball hard. It's like understanding that the skill of, okay, well, it's maybe not always important to drive your third shot. And if you can work on being able to hit more of a drop, you know, what that does is that allows you to have more success. You and your partner to move and gives you a little bit more time to be active as you know, at the serving side of the court. And I kind of give them an understanding of kind of what that pickleball IQ is for a score-wise. And there's a lot of different factors, right? So there's skill level, then there's understanding of strategy, and then it's singles and doubles. I mean, you can talk a little bit about that too, right? So singles is becoming, 
they're working on that, giving them an understanding of what their, their pickleball IQ is so they can kind of kind of have a starting off point and then work towards being able to kind of get to that next level. I was going to go ahead, Jason, and ask you about your scale in terms of kind of your IQ scale. Do you really literally, you know, like grade people zero to a hundred or how does that work? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't necessarily grade, you know, it's just, it's more of a terminology that helps them kind of understand a little bit more of, okay, it's, it's not just hitting a survey and hitting a return and then driving a third shot. It's being able to kind of understand a little bit more intricacies, you know, that they more like, you know, I like in tennis was this way too. It's kind of like moving chess. But the thing with pickle is, is that you have so much less time to react to what's going on. I mean, time is really not your friend. So if you're constantly taking your time away by speeding the ball up, you're really not allowing yourself to have a little bit more of that understanding of, you know, defense and control. So I don't necessarily give them a score of one to a hundred, but I kind of let them know that again, as they start playing better people, that skill set isn't. You mentioned there that there's less time to react in pickleball, certainly than tennis, you know, of course, because so much of the play is, is closer to the net. Is there really a, a good way that you can teach to help, you know, develop the skill, really, I guess, the reaction time in, in this case to improve your game? Yeah, I think you can do it a couple of different ways. I think what you can do, like we do a lot of, you know, volley to volley drills. We actually will start very close to each other and just work on reactions, right? So we'll, you know, maybe even take a giant step in from the no volley zone line or even even closer yet. And sometimes what I'll do is, you know, with sometimes more of my advanced, you know, group, I will have them maybe even turn around and then, and then try to, you know, come forward and work on reaction and movement. And then I think it's a combination of not only being able to react, but I think it's also recognition, right? So that's another huge part of it is recognizing when the ball is, speed, you know, being sped up at you. And then whether it's coming in, especially to the forehand, because I think so many people always immediately work on defending on the backhand if they cannot attack on that forehand wing. So that's a big one for them to be able to learn that recognition and be able to see that ball coming into the forehand side. One of the other things that we talked about in terms of just thinking about some instructional topic that would make sense for the show is we were talking a little bit about, you know, doubles and more specifically mixed doubles and also, you know, having a partner who may not be quite as good as you, which, you know, I have to say, you know, certainly at the high levels in the pro ranks, generally the men are going to be better than the women. So what are some tips to help players in, in mixed doubles? Yeah, and I think that's that's a great question. And I think it's it's really challenging. I think for a lot of people. I mean, I, you know, the the mix is one of those where I think I think number one I think is communication, right? So it's working on having some of that communication, or be, even talking before you go out and play, right? Who's going to take more of the middle ball? So if you're playing mix and you're stacking, which means again the guy's going to be on the left side of the court, and we're assuming both players are left-handed. So you know he's going to end up taking more of that, you know, maybe three quarters of the court on that forehand side and if there's an understanding of that before you go out and play then it's a lot easier for maybe the female player to let let that guy player hit that middle ball and then i think it's also communication during play right so when the serving side is both back and the return is hit deep to the middle part of the court knowing who's going to take that third shot is pretty darn important right for that especially at a higher level but i think communication being the number one thing for sure 
And what else do you feel like players should be communicating about when they are playing doubles? Well, I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's working on being able to communicate, I think also on, you know, when they hit the third shot, they can then let their partner know, maybe if it's a little bit higher to watch out a little bit, to be patient with moving forward. But I think at the higher level, what you see, you know, maybe not quite as much mixed with that third shot, but you'll definitely see that, you know, if they're playing that, you know, doubles together, where again, we were talking about the attacking is the person's hitting that third shot drop and, and the other person is moving forward, trying to attack any single ball and get on at that higher level. And a little bit more of an intermediate level, I think what you're going to see, you know, it's in, in advance, maybe not professional. What you'll see is there's more communication of being able to let your partner know maybe you haven't hit quite as good of a third as you would like. And then you're trying to be patient with moving forward so you can, you know, get yourself ready to defend. Okay. One of the things I noticed at the pro tournament this last weekend, it was in Delray Beach, Florida, there's a lot of communication that goes on with the teams and the pros, and it's not just all verbal. There was also a number of, you know, typically hand signals, you know, telling them what's going to happen, I, I guess, really in most cases before each point. So how, how exactly does that work? Yeah, that's, that's really good. And, and the way that that works a little bit, you know, like typically when you're stacking, usually what ends up happening is, is the player either comes, if you're serving, they'll be like behind you or next to you, you know, to your spot. And then if you're receiving, they're kind of off to whatever side that they're on. And kind of what's happening at the, at the professional level is, is they're, they're switching now instead of actually going off to the side of the court. So what will happen is, is that, so for example, my partner will be on the, the left side of me and I'll be returning on the right. And then my partner gives me the open hand that he's going to switch over to the right side of the court and then I'm going to move in behind him. So that kind of allows us to still play the same side of the court, but it's less of this. And it makes it a little bit more, you know, maybe as a, as a threat, you know, on the other side or just makes it look something different, you know, to your opponents on the other side. So that communication is also very, very important for sure. Now, one of the things that can often happen, and I think this really happens more in recreational doubles is that you know during drop in play or you know anytime you don't really have a, a set partner which is a lot of the time in pickleball you can get paired and have very disparate skill levels but you're playing essentially on the same team your partner how do you handle those situations and i know this even happens sometimes in recreational play but how do you help handle those situations when really one person is getting targeted much more than their partner? Yeah, that's that's also a really good question. And I think that's like, a, I hear that question happen, you know, at least coming to me a lot as a coach. So, and this, this is one of those, it's, you know, it can be either a perception with your partner is weaker than you, or it's just your partner's having a bad day. I mean, we all have them, right? I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I can play great one day and not be able to hit a third in my life the next. So it's, it's trying to be, again, working on that communication piece. And I think the more you can also work on being able to try to move around and be, you know, just try to be flexible with what you're trying to do. So the more you can help protect your partner against maybe middle balls and try to move over and try to be more aggressive with certain shots, I think can certainly help that, you know. But it's it's really, really challenging when you're playing with a partner that, that's getting targeted by your by the team on the other side and you, you don't get to hit too many balls. 
But I think the more you can be active with trying to move around a little bit, and then maybe if your partner feels comfortable stacking or switching, right, I think that also helps a lot because then you can at least get yourself into a position where you can maybe start trying to hit some balls to help protect them. That's really great advice. And, you know, the one thing that's difficult, and I'm not saying like I'm a great player, but I remember one particular recreational match I played where the the other team knew me very well and they were not going to hit me any balls. I mean, it was so incredibly frustrating. I mean, oh man, that's, how do you help people deal with that situation? Because it really is frustrating at times. Yeah. And I think it's, it's super challenging, right? But it's, and then it's, you have to look at it either if it's, you know, it's one thing if it's in a really competitive tournament environment, it's another thing if it's rec, right? Because it's, if it's rec play, then it's one of those where it's, it's more, a little bit more social, right? Maybe you're not going to try to insert yourself as much, you know, because you're out there for the social component, you know, but I think if, if you, if you can try to find yourself moving a little bit and trying to, trying to maybe attack some of those balls in the middle part of the court, you know, the, the more you can try to do that, the, the easier it is for you to try to insert yourself. But it is challenging for sure. I mean, it's, it's probably the number one question that I always get asked. It's like, how do you help your partner out when either they're getting targeted by the team, right? Or, or the team perceives you as a really strong player. So they're trying to get it away from you. And that can be good and bad, you know, for, for the other team, because if they're always trying to avoid you, sometimes they're going to make a lot of mistakes trying to hit all of your balls to your partner. Very true. That's some excellent advice. And I want to circle back to kind of JG Pickleball. I know you said at the beginning of the interview that it was in 2020 that you really started to coach full time for yourself and, you know, treat it as your business, which obviously it is. How, what was that like? I mean, was that scary going from, you know, having, I think you had said taught at a club for many years to, you know, just coaching as your own business? Yeah. And, and I can say that, you know, I, I had a full-time job working for, you know, several clubs up and down the East Coast and, you know, as far as Southwest Florida for years. And it was, it was, I had the last club that I was at was over 10 years for, with my position. And, you know, it was a very scary first step. It was something that I was always looking to kind of do on my own, but for sure. I mean, leaving a full-time job, I just didn't know if I was going to get enough clientele to support myself. Once I started, you know, making a few phone calls and reaching out to some people that, that I normally coach, and I'm like, yeah, we'd be happy to, to follow you wherever you went, for sure. I was really surprised on how many players I actually was able to pull over and, and to build my clientele right from the get-go was, was you know, very, it was, it was really surprising to me, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was probably one of the scariest things that I've ever done, but it was also at the same time after that piece, it was very relieving in a way because now I wasn't necessarily stuck with having to coach only people from my club. Now all of a sudden I had access to being able to coach the entire community, which was really, again, kind of a, you know, a, a whole new kind of element for me. It was like, wow, this is opening so many more doors and there's so much more freedom for me to be able to coach more people, which is fantastic. I love that part. And where are you doing your most of your coaching right now? Is it in a local area or kind of up and down the East Coast? Yeah, so most of my coaching right now is in a local area in Virginia. So I do most of my coaching at local parks. And like I said, it's probably 70-30, which is about 70% pickleball. And it's all different levels. So, you know, the, 
the one great thing that, that I have seen is a huge influx of just new players. I think, you know, that's one of the things that the pandemic has, you know, tennis too has seen this huge surge of new players, the pickleball on top of it. And the one thing that, that I've seen with the pickleball, not only is it new players, but it's also, you know, it's not necessarily the, the demographic of, you know, some of the, the people that are a little bit more of the senior age. It's, it's a lot more of actually 20s and younger 30 people that are looking for activity and they're, they're falling in love with the sport that we all fell in love with, which is pickle. And again, we know that it doesn't take very long for that to happen. And it's like, wow, when do we get to play again? This is so much fun. Very true. One of the things I noticed when I went to a local park here last week to play some pickleball, it was in the, I guess it was in the afternoon around three o'clock. The courts were almost full and I definitely was probably about the oldest person out there. <laughs> so I can relate to the younger people definitely getting getting involved now. Yeah. And I think that's a great thing for the sport, right? I think that's, and that's part of that evolution that we were talking about kind of at the beginning is that you're going to see, right? And, and it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting discussion as we continue to go with, you know, strategy and technique of pickleball, because you're going to see it change as there's younger, faster and stronger people come into the, come into the sport, because that's, that's all part of the evolution, right? So maybe the third shot drop isn't the right shot anymore, and it becomes more of a drive, just depending on, you know, what happens as we go along and how the evolution comes into play. We will see. So your future plans for your coaching business, are you going to stay local or do you see yourself doing some camps or clinics throughout the U.S.? Kind of what, what does your plan look like? That's a good question. I think right now, I think for the time being, it's going to be relatively local, but I think, I think we do have some things on the horizon probably over the next few months, assuming again, we're, we're getting hopefully to the end of this pandemic, knock on wood. I'm hoping we'll get to a certain point where, you know, we can start traveling a little bit more and doing a little bit more and people start to feel more comfortable being around larger groups. And, but I think that the goal would be to maybe start within a three to four hour radius and travel around a little bit and just being able to bring my show on the road and really create, you know, some buzz at some other places, you know, and I have, I have a pretty good connection with most of the tennis professionals in this mid Atlantic area where I'm kind of home base. So I can kind of connect with them and try to really help, help them kind of grow their pickleball program. And that's one of the things that I'm kind of passionate about is being able to kind of educate some of the people that you wore my background is that tennis piece of it. And they're, they've been in the tennis industry for a long time. Now as pickleball is really starting to grow, you know, leaps and bounds, it's like how do they take their program or how do they start a pickleball program at their club and how do they grow it from there? I'm pretty excited about being able to help them to do that. All right. Well, I just have a couple questions left to finish up. I do always like to ask the pickleball pros, which pickleball paddle do you prefer and why? You know, it's, that's, that's one of the things when I first got into pickleball, I mean, again, I'm a, I'm a tennis guy. So, and I, and I have been a Wilson guy for probably, I started playing with a Wilson pickleball paddle when I first started. And I know that all the, all the pickleball people will be like, why are you playing with a Wilson pickleball paddle? But then I started playing with, you know, Megan is actually sponsored by Onyx and I started playing with the Invoke paddle. And that's by far the best paddle that I've, I've played with for years, for the last year. And it's, it's, by far the best pedal that, again, I've I played with. So I love playing with that pedal. I do hear lots of great things about Onyx, and I know when I started, I played with the Z5. But, yeah, I'll have to try that one out. Hopefully I, I can when I've got some friends around to play with um, 
when everybody gets outside here again in Connecticut. So if somebody wants to get in touch with you, Jason, where is the best place for them to reach out? So the best place is my website, which is, again, at jgpickleball.com. And if you go to that website, there's a either a contact form or, you know, the option to fill out a email from there. And then my email is just jason at jgpickleball.com. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the Pickleball Fire podcast. Really fun interview and actually some excellent instructional tips. So I'm sure the audience will enjoy it. Well, thank you, Lynn, so much for having me. I really, really was really looking forward to it. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes. 